Okay, so Daniel chapter 3. So we've been looking at the book of Daniel. We're going through this together. I don't think I will be going through the whole book of Daniel chapter 3, just to let you know. I'll probably end up um, halfway, halfway uh, this morning in Daniel chapter 3. Those of you who haven't um, been here for Daniel chapter 1 or Daniel chapter 2, um, you can kind of catch up on, online if you want to and, and to listen to Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 2. But let's look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. This is a very interesting verse. It comes after uh, Daniel chapter 2 where we see a kind of a slight conversion that happens in Nebuchadnezzar where he sees the God of Daniel and he kind of starts to worship the God of Daniel because of Daniel um, and because he's amazed that, that Daniel by his God was able to interpret this dream that baffled him. And then all of a sudden in chapter 3 we see that Nebuchadnezzar does something quite interesting. He builds himself a statue, a statue that somehow was meant to represent him. And what's even more interesting is that he turns this, he makes this statue out of gold. And it's almost like some kind of a um, defiant action or something because uh, we know that the dream of Daniel had a statue that its head was gold, but Nebuchadnezzar, uh, that was to represent his kingdom, decided that the whole body that he was going to be creating was all to be gold, not just the head. It was almost like he was saying that I am more powerful than any kingdom and I'm greater than any kingdom. And so what he does, he sets himself up to be worshipped as the greatest of all. And it's interesting because in history, there's always been men in the past who have somehow built themselves a reputation where it's just not enough to be applauded. It's not enough to be kind of acknowledged. They needed more, and there's men in history who've always wanted to be adored as divine, you know, worshipped as God. You see that all the time in history. In fact, it's, it's, it's not an uncommon thing, because even in the Garden of Eden, uh, one of the, the, the temptations for Adam and Eve was that Adam and Eve would become as gods. They would become, of, they would become as gods. And what's powerful about that is that although history has these men who have somehow taken um, advantage of, of being attributed to some kind of divinity, like for example, Hail Hitler, that became very devastating in the Holocaust, you know, he was considered to be the God, you know. Um, what's more devastating is that, is that every single one of us, in some way or another, although we're not emperors or kings who want to claim divinity or some worship from people, there is a sense in us that we want to be God. Or gods, believe it or not. And we do that because we want to be esteemed higher than someone else, or we want to be acknowledged that our ideas and our thoughts are kind of great, and, and, and we're, we're kind of almost on a, on a border of wisdom that somehow seems to be divine, you know. And we do that, and, and that sometimes is, is a cost. It's devastating to people around us. You know, can you imagine always being with someone who always sees themselves as God, you know? Like, or boss, if you like, or king. And you're always having to kind of have, uh, develop your relationship with them and, 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 I don't know, trying to get along with them. 
but they never seem to listen to what you have to say, you know, they always think that what they have, their way is always the right way, and, and, and this is, and this is, this is uh, uh, very common to, to human life, because even uh, Jesus, even Jesus, when he was in the wilderness as a man, he was tempted in the same manner. When the devil said to him, if you be the son of God, if, you, if you're really God, do this, do that, if you're really God. Won't the angels protect you and say, if you're really God? But even Jesus himself, being God and equal with God, he denounced that. Because <laughs> he knew that this doesn't belong to the human body. This, this, that the human body, this flesh, can't claim any attribute to godliness of their own selves other than the true God. And unfortunately, we live in a world where everybody claims to have some kind of divinity or some kind of supernatural brilliance, you know. And this is what gets us into trouble a lot. It gets us into trouble a lot. Anytime any man elevates himself higher than above other men, we get ourselves into trouble. And this is what we see here with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, who elevated himself above another man. And and the sad thing is, this never stops. This never stops. In the world, this keeps going. In fact, the Bible prophesies, and the book of Daniel is a book of prophecy, it's leading to the end days, where even in the end days, we will see one who props himself up as God. And the, the, the thing is, the same things that happen in the book of Daniel are very much the same things that are going to be happening in the future. And this is what we read in the book of Revelation. We read this, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine and the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb." Now, this is very, very powerful and very significant. I'll tell you why it's significant. People talk about the mark of the beast. And some people don't believe it. Some people believe it. We, I believe in the mark of the beast. We preach it here. It's in the Word of God. It's uh, something that's, that's going to take place. Where there's going, be, there's going to be a system, just like the system that you see today, where the, the authorities can say to you, shut shop, close down the church, and we all do that. Just like you see what goes on, how we all operate in a certain spirit um, very much like people who are lost. We, we don't know where we're going. And what we see here is little glimpses of really the end days. Now listen carefully. I'm not saying it's the end days now because these events have occurred in the past. But what you get to see is this, and, and, and it's very, very significant. What you get to see is this, is once the earth or the system in the world gets a little scratch on it, because this is just a scratch, by the way. The coronavirus is just a scratch at the moment. But once it gets scratched, this system that we operate to, where the world is so wired together, like the whole world is wired together, like you know, a little part here, and then all of a sudden it's catastrophe. But once this little thing gets scratched, all of a sudden you see what you see today. Where people go a little bit funny, they don't know how to deal with this, they get very anxious, they get very scared, they, they, they don't know what to do, and they go chasing wall, toilet paper. The silliness, the silliness and the, 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 almost the mockery of this is, is really a joke that, that should, the world should actually have a look and see and wake up and say, really, this is the way I respond to catastrophe? This is, this is how I respond to, to devastation? Look, look at it for what it is. And if that doesn't wake you up, look, I don't know what's going to wake you up. Considering that in the New Testament, the Bible talks about a third of the world collapsing. 
a third of the world collapsing. What would that even be like? A third of the world, bang, gone. How do you think people would be? Well, it's going to be so, so traumatic, so crazy, that a man's going to come and rise himself up as the healer, the saviour. <clears throat> the, 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 the one who's coming to save everybody. And everybody's going to say, and, and embrace him. They're going to think this is absolutely awesome. Because they're all going to be so broken that any form of light or anything that looks like light is going to be like moths to a tall flame. Now, he's going to create a system where it's going to be very much, we're slightly moving towards that system. You can't do anything unless you've got Facebook. You can't do anything unless you're, 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 you're tapped into the internet. You can't do anything. Just get off your email. Go on. Look, get off your email. Get, off, get, off, get rid of your phone. How many of you would actually still be making money? If you started and decided that I'm going to get rid of my phone, I'm going to get rid of my email, I'm going to get any, any social media contact, how many of you can still hold your job? You couldn't. And that's, that's the system where we're moving into, where basically, and it's, it's quite evident, believe, believe me, it's evident that the system is going to encompass everybody. Now, I'm not talking that's the social media, whatever it is, but there's going to be a system where basically you will not be able to buy or sell. You will not be able to buy or sell. That's the system. Um, I'm only sharing this because the book of Daniel is a book of prophecy, right? So, imagine... You can't, even, you can't even buy, it's like going, rocking up to the, the, the supermarket and not finding toilet paper. You can't even buy toilet paper. You won't even find it. What do you do? How do you respond? This is a more severe case because you can't go get tissues. You can't get wipes. You just can't get anything. And fair enough, some might say, well, I'll take the system because I need to be able to buy and sell. And that's good. Because if your child is sick, you won't be able to have any medical uh, attention or you, ha- you won't have access to a doctor um, because you're not part of the system. It's like you don't have a Facebook account and you've got to sign up for a Facebook account. And what's wrong with signing up for a Facebook account? No, nothing wrong with that. If my child's going to have assistance, medical assistance. Well, nothing. There's nothing really uh, bad about it other than this. Other than this. One word. If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his right hand. They shut themselves off from God. Now, this is the, this is the, the serious thing. The Bible doesn't say if anyone receives the mark and, on the forehead. And, and it doesn't say that because the, 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 the devil or the system is going to be so clever that the receiving of the mark on the hand and on the forehead is going to be entwined with the worship of the beast. And this is where Christians get cut off. So you can receive the mark because you need to help your child, because your father and mother are in the elderly home and you need to... But it's not that simple. Because the biggest attribute to receiving the mark is the worship of the beast. Does that make sense? And this is where Christians have found themselves, oh man, what do we do? How do we, how do we, because we know we don't worship any other person. We know there's only one God, but one. It's always been from the history of the world since, since the law. Oh, Israel, you should only have one God. 
only one, from the beginning of time. And now we are faced with a world where basically we need to eat, we need to drink, we need health and shelter, and we can't seem to have it unless we worship another God. And so the battle's on for Christians. And this is not a bad thing. Because all along, Jesus has always preached the gospel to leave everything but follow me. All along, Jesus has always said that I am the bread of life. I am the living water. And if you found nourishment and sustenance for your soul and only me, then nothing else matters. All along, Jesus has always said to you, I am the one true God. You can't have other things before me. You can't hold on to other things. And all along, the Christian church has continued to grow and has gathered many people into its flock and fold who are not that, half-hearted, wishy-washy, but all along they've maintained a Christian reputation and a religiousness. All along they claimed to be Christians and all along they weren't really until the mark of the beast comes and it filters, it separates, just like the, the coronavirus how many people uh, will, be, will change their pattern of behaviour to go out and to continue doing what they do as Christians because of anxieties and fears or because of uh, they, they threatened that they're going to lose their life. But all along, the Christian knows, my life's not mine, my life is his. And this is what we see in the book of Daniel chapter 3. This is what we see in the book of Daniel chapter 3. We see this evidently, clearly. Verse 2 is a fascinating verse. Daniel chapter 3, verse 2. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counsellors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This is what's fascinating about this chapter. The king Nebuchadnezzar gathers all his officials, all the powers in, 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 in the high places, all his leaders, every one of them, and he gathers them and he puts them before the people. And these were the ones that when you saw them were going to be the very people that were going to inspire you or kind of draw you in to worship this statue. And it's very much like the world today. Watch carefully. Anytime there's some agenda, anytime there's some kind of message that needs to go out to the public, who do they seek? Those in high powers, those who are prestigious, those who have authority. And they're the ones who are generally ushering in some kind of a philosophy or some kind of ideology because they're the ones that we kind of, whoa, there's the rich man, you know. You look at it, every obstacle that we've ever fought against, everything that we've ever uh, um, refused, all of a sudden gets slowly penetrated into our thinking because we're, we're seeing it among the, the, the powers. And this is not different. Nebuchadnezzar gets all these authorities. And that's exactly what you see here with Nebuchadnezzar asking people, come and worship, worship this statue. Let's get the big names out. Let's go to Hollywood and let's get the superstars to sponsor certain things. Let's get them out there and start telling us about their ideas as though they've become philosophers all of a sudden. You know? Let's listen to what they have to say about medical attention and, and health and mental health. Let's see what they have to say. And who are they? Well, they're people in, in power and authority. 
that if we were to listen to them, we could do the same thing, worship the image of the beast, you know. And what's powerful about this, and the Bible kind of tucks it in, is that when they came, in verse 9, they spoke and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the gold image. Music. Music was the vehicle that was basically going to draw people to do what? To worship this image. Music. It's extraordinary, actually, because we don't really pay much attention to that, but it's quite vital, it's quite serious, and it's quite significant. I think there's a big spiritual truth behind this. Plato, a Greek philosopher, he said this. I've got some quotes from Plato. Listen. Plato said, music is potent instrument than any other for education. He said, it is a defining element of character. Listen to what he says here. Musical innovation is full of danger to the state. This Plato, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Plato, but I'm giving you a man who's, who's esteemed as, as a philosopher um, in history, who even then recognised when the modes of music change, the laws of the state always change with them. So what do we see here in the book of Daniel? We see this, we see the power of play with music and the worship of a false god. That's what we see. And you don't need to look further to see that's exactly what it is among today's youth. You don't need to. Because everything that you listen to, that's played, isn't innocent as you think it is. It's just a song. Well, no, Plato says, no, it's not just a song. It's actually educating you. And you don't realize that any time you want to change laws, just play the music. Just play the music and you can change laws. (laughs) And that's exactly what's happening here. You want to change the law? The law, okay, the law now says that you need to worship King Nebuchadnezzar. At the sound of the music, we're going to do that. And today we have the musicians and the rock stars who are propagating a gospel that is antichrist. And we say, it's okay, just music. But it's not just music. It's not, it's ushering a gospel that is anti-God. That's what it is. And I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not having a go at secular music. I'm having a go at music that has in itself ideas, thoughts, concepts that are anti-God. And it'll be interesting to try and pinpoint and find one song that is clean, that doesn't have that. Because I'll tell you what happens when you call it just entertainment or you call it it's just, it's just music, 
What you're doing, brothers and sisters, listen carefully. What you're doing is you're bowing down to a false god. Because you're taking the entertainment and you're placing that above the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you're bowing down to a false god. You're saying, it's okay for me to accept and embrace this song, this music, because it's just that. That's all it is. I'm not really doing that, am I? No, but what you're doing is you're bowing down and worshiping. What do you do when you worship a, a statue? You're not doing anything. It doesn't take much. Just bow your head. Devote your attention. That's all you're doing. You're not called to do anything else, are you? You're not called to basically go and now do this. No, no, you're not even called to go and preach the false god. All you're called to do is at the sound of the music, just bow down your head and worship at that particular time. Now, you honestly think when the third of the world and the whole havoc happens, and when you attach yourself to such a thing like that, that you're going to say, no, I'm not going to receive the mark of the beast. Because I know the Bible says you shouldn't. As though what you know is going to be your saviour. No, it's not. It's not what you know that's going to save you. It's faith that's going to save you. And faith isn't about knowledge. Or, or, or faith isn't uh, uh, strengthened by knowledge. Faith is the living, believing, the experiencing of the very truth that you hold to. And you do that all the time in your life. That's how you practice your Christian life. So when that day does come and you've been practicing faith like it's a muscle that you've strengthened and strengthened and strengthened, you'll be able to pick up that trial or that test and throw it out of your way. That's what faith is. That's why Christians can't afford to be casual or carnal because you have a time, a space to exercise. And if you don't exercise, when that temptation comes, you're going to flop. I'm telling you, you're going to flop just like Peter did when Peter says, I'll never deny you, Lord. And he says, I'm telling you, you will deny me three times. See, Jesus knew the nature that was in the person. He knew but the one who practices faith consistently, daily, when trials and temptations come their way, as though they're God's calling them to serve me, serve me, serve me, and they know that I don't serve any other God but the true God, they, they are the ones that are able to withstand the trial or the hardship because they've practiced it. They've practiced it. That's why Christians can't get away with being lukewarm or, or compromising because it's going to cost them later down the track. You can't fool God. You can't. God isn't fooled. God has given you a day of grace where you can muster up all your energy, all your strength, all your devotion to Him and practice the living faith so that when that day comes, you have established a physique, a strength where you will overcome and you won't be overcome. Do you understand? And this is what we see in Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We see that spirit, this zealousness. See, the problem is this. The law that was set for them didn't really impact or challenge anyone other than the Jew. Or if you like, the Christian. Because in the end, the law is going to get the Christian stuck in its cog. And when that law starts to spin, it's the Christian that's going to get chewed up. 
You think, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Well, it's very simple. The law today that talks about discrimination, we, shouldn't, we, should, we shouldn't discriminate, is fantastic law. Nothing wrong with it. We shouldn't be discriminating. In fact, Jesus all along had taught us not to discriminate. He was the very one who broke discrimination. But the way you define discrimination now is outside of what Jesus taught me. Because one day what's going to happen is this law that says do not discriminate is going to be so refined and so uh, molded anti-God that it will say that anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation is, is discriminating. And that's where we're heading. And they're going to play their music and they're going to have their movies and they're going to do whatever they needed to do to cause people to say that's true. And that's, that's, that's what's sad. It's the Christian that gets stuck in that cog. And once it starts spinning, they get chewed up. But the reality is, is that my life isn't based on being here anyway. Like, it's not, I don't have my empire established here. Like, what do I care if I get stuck in that cog and get chewed up? This isn't my final home. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is me passing through, through a, a, a tunnel where the light is at the end and I'm moving right through. And all the way through the tunnel, it's a sewerage. And I'm telling people, let's clean up the sewerage. Come on, guys, let's clean up the sewerage. And you don't like it. You don't like me cleaning up the sewerage. And so you'll get me, you'll slow me, you'll tie me, you'll chain me. But I wasn't born to stay in the sewerage. I'm going to the end of the light. That's where I'm moving. But you want to get stuck in the the stink of it all? I'm, I'm moving forward. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And whether you like it or you don't like it, I can't do anything that's based on my opinion I'm, all do, I'm only doing what the Bible teaches me and, 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 and what Christ is trading me. And this is the same, I believe, with these guys here. Then Nebuchadnezzar in verse 13, chapter 3, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And so they brought these men before the king. He was rage and fury. He was so caught up in himself, so caught up that the, the people must worship him that he was full of rage and fury. It's crazy, isn't it? But, but don't you see the same spirit in the world? <laughs> as soon as you poke, as soon as you have an opinion, I'm not, look, live the way you want to live. I want you to be happy. Do what you want to do. But I have an opinion. I think if you go this way, you're going to hurt yourself. I can't help. (laughs) I can't think any other way, mate. But what, are you going to crucify me? Because I think that if you go this way, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to fume, froth at the mouth. Because I think that's the wrong way to go. Well, does that mean that I can't have any opinion on what's right and what's wrong? Of course. No, you can't. (laughs) You can't. You can't have an opinion of what's right or what's wrong. You just need to dance to the music. Just dance to the music. Watch your superstars. Watch your heroes and follow them like the Pied Piper. That's all you need to do. As soon as you don't like that music, you're gone. That's where we are, ladies and gentlemen. But it's no different than where Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were. I don't want to worship. I'm not having a go at you, Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not saying you're not a great king. (laughs) I'm not saying that I don't like you. 
but I have, I have a faith that is, that, is, that is far more superior than anything that belongs to this earth. My concerns aren't about relationships, whether you love her and he, she loves you and, and, and he, that's not my concerns. I have a faith far greater and higher than this earth. You understand? Like if you just, if you want to just play and think this is your best home, then so let it be. But my, this is not my best home. Like my eyes are to heaven. And if you want to live life and everything about your life is about how secure and how good and, and how, how not assaulted you were and how not abused you were and, how, and everything's just about here, 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 then I think you are most miserable. I think you are most miserable. <laughs> I think there's a heaven. I think my home is eternal. It's not fleeting. It's not, it's not come and go with emotions and, and pains and sufferings. But if you're so worried about being offended by this and that because this is your only home, I understand. I understand no one should be offending you because this is your only home. But that, that's not mine. My home is the kingdom. You can, Jesus, you could do whatever you want to me. Anything pertaining to this world, I'll leave it behind. You don't, you don't like the way I look? <laughs> My face is only for a time. My physical appearance is only, you don't like the way I dress? The, the garments are going to turn into to the, the ash. It's nothing. And this is the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, I want you to watch carefully their words, their words. I'm going to break it down for you in three parts. Their words, listen to what they say. You tell me that you wouldn't be clapping for these guys. You wouldn't be like, go, go. Do it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, answered, and I love, I love, I love this. I love the fact that the Bible mentions the three names because all of them were unison. All of them were of the same mind and the same heart. It doesn't say, and Shadrach answered. All three answered. There was no division just like the church of God. The church of God can't be divided, but unfortunately it is. You've got churches here, churches there, churches everywhere who are all different ideas, all different theories, all different rubbish. But that's not the church of God. These guys, they were in one accord. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. What are they saying to him? What are they saying to him? Listen, heaven does not have a back door. You can't get into heaven through a side alley and get in from the back. You get to heaven through that straight, narrow. It's the only way you get in. And you're all going to be called to walk within this straight and narrow. You're all going to be called to testify of your faith and the truth that is in you. Every single one of you. You can't sneak from the back. You have an individual faith that needs to be tested and refined by God. You, personally, not A-N-C-F. You, as a person. You can't get onto a, ba a wagon called A-N-C-F and we're all going to move in together. You, individually, just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, all their names were mentioned when they gave the reply. So you can't compromise it. You can't hide behind someone. Listen to what Spurgeon says. Spurgeon says this. He says, If standing before the heart-searching God at this time, you cannot say, It is true. How should you act? 
If you cannot say that you take Christ's cross and are willing to follow him at all hazards, then hearken to me and learn the truth. Do not make a profession at all. Do not talk about baptism or the Lord's Supper, nor of joining a church, nor of being a Christian. For if you do, you will lie against your own soul. If it be not true that you renounce the world's idols, do not profess that it is so. It is unnecessary that a man should profess to be what he is not. It is a sin, a superfluity of naughtiness, if you cannot be true to Christ. If your coward heart is against your Lord, do not profess to be his disciple. I beseech you, he that is married to the world or flint-hearted had better return to his house, for he is of no service in this war. Crazy, right? There's no back door. There's no, there's no way other than going straight through. Here they say, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Here is a full attention and confidence of the person of faith. I don't need to justify myself to the world. I don't need to justify myself to anyone, Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, I'm following the principles of the highest of all calling. Like, what do I need to tell you why I'm doing what I'm doing? But is this, is this different than, than, the, than our master, Jesus Christ? When he stood before Pilate, what did he say? Then Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he answered, Nothing. I don't need to tell you. Think what you want. Think what you want. We, we owe the world nothing. We, we owe the world nothing. It's the same with Peter and the other apostles when they were basically told, stop preaching the gospel. You stop preaching the gospel. And they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. If that is the case... Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Listen, what are they saying here? One, I don't need to tell you. Two, whatever God's will. How awesome is that? Whatever God's will. Who can actually have such a peace in their God like that? Whatever God's will. Someone once said that the will of God is like sleeping on a soft pillow. Whatever your will is, it's like sleeping on a soft pillow. I've always said that you can be in the heart, in the middle of the war, and if it's God's will, you can be surrounded by your worst enemies, and if it's God's will, you are the most safest place in the world, if it's God's will. This is the confidence of these guys. If it's God's will... (laughs) to do whatever you want to do to us, so let it be. Because if it is what God wants, it's no safer place, no better place. Whatever is the will of God, so very few Christians are content to follow God's will. Most of us, 
just want to know what it is. <laughs> Most of us just want to know what God's will is so that, just so that we can consider it. Just so that I can know. Let alone knowing what God's will so I can know which way to walk, which way to go, whatever He requires of me. You know, the, there's, a, there's a hymn by the name, My Jesus as Thou Wilt, by Benjamin Smolk. I don't know if you've heard it. My Jesus as Thou Wilt. This, this guy, when he wrote this hymn, his hometown was nearly destroyed by fire. And two of his children were taken by the flames. Himself was stricken with paralysis, which eventually led to his blindness. And these are the words of the hymn. My Jesus, as you will, oh, may your will be mine. Into your hand of love I would my all resign. Through sorrow or through joy, conduct me as your own and help me still to say, my Lord, your will be done. And then finally they said this, But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. In the end, you get to see the reality of what faith that believes in a true God does. No, no, Nebuchadnezzar, we will not serve you or worship your image nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up now listen this is a beautiful beautiful picture of a very beautiful truth that jesus said one day on the hilltop he said you are the light of the world you can't put it under a bushel and hide it he tells us, let your light so shine, so shine, that when everybody sees that bright light, they glorify God in heaven. Now, if Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego decided that they were going to do what every other person did, the glory and, and the brilliant light of God would never have shone in the face of the people. The glory of God can only be manifested and revealed when you and I stay s certain and sure on the truths of God. If you want to know the power of God, listen, hang to His Word. If you want to see the power of God, stick to His Word. You compromise it, you say nothing. But if you dare to obey it, follow it strictly, the narrow you will see the glory of God that is unlike any other glory in this world and people that see it, they will say, well, there's a God. Well, there's a God. And that's exactly the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego as we go through it next week. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Whatever God's spoken to you about, listen, whatever God's spoken to you about, don't harden your heart against the King. Because right now, if you're not worshipping the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, you're worshipping something else. You're worshipping something else. And this thing that you are worshipping can't grant you peace. 
joy, love, can't give you anything. It has nothing to give. But if you're tired of this thing that you worship, whatever it is, young ones, the music that you're listening to is poison. You don't realize how much it infects your soul. You think that you're an individual. You think that you have your own ideas and your own thoughts, but you don't. You're being deceived. The music is telling you who you are and what you believe and what you know. Everything about your character and your personality has been molded by the things that you listen to. And if you want to be true to yourself and be human, be real, assess and listen to the things that you listen to. Even now, if I was to tell you about Jesus Christ and His purity, your eyes are closed to it because it's been so darkened and smudged by filth. But if God is knocking at the door of your heart, if God is knocking at the door of your heart, respond to Him. Respond to Him. You can't continue dancing to the music in this world that is all about killing you. You can't keep playing the games that the world plays when all it's about is suffocating you and your faith. You've got to leave it behind. Father in heaven, I pray for every head bowed before you, Lord God. You know them by name. You brought them here this morning, Father, that they may hear your word, that they may hear your truth. I pray, Father, that you would reveal more and more of yourself to them. I pray, Father, that when the day comes and your return is at hand, Lord God, that you may be merciful and grant us the grace to stand. All those who seek your face and who call upon your name may find favor and deliverance through your grace. And if there be anyone in this room, Lord God, who isn't making it in, who is not going to profess and call upon your name in that day, I pray, Lord God, before it's too late, you would make it known to them because you are justified and you are right and you will give every man an account of their own life, Lord God, why they didn't respond, why they didn't call upon your name. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves in their hearts, convicting them of sin and judgment and bringing them into you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. can call you Father and claim that I am in your family Who am I to think that I am worthy to raise my voice and worship unto thee And who am I that I would seek your blessing that you are our Lord and King. Who am I 
to bring requests before you when I know I'm not deserving of a thing cause I am the one that you died for that you leave the